Today on this episode on the Goof Duck Podcast, Remy and Joey are going to take you on a journey back when comedy was comedy to the comedy warehouse. We're going to meet a piano player and a hat lady. We welcome Carol Stein to the program. So stick around and enjoy this episode right here on Spotify. Welcome to the Goof Duck Podcast, this podcast is for everybody who would like to know what is going on with the theme parks in the Central Florida area. This podcast covers, current events, theme park news, theme park history and for a bonus we do some theme park trivia. We bring on guests who used to work for the theme parks and other guests outside of the theme park industry such as, local comedians, and musicians. We are Goof Duck, it is what it is. Goof Duck is sponsored by, The Crooked Can Brewing Company in Winter Garden, Florida where they make local craft beers every single month. And now ladies and gentlemen make sure we all have a drink in our hands because you are now listening to the Goof Duck Podcast with your hosts, Remy, Joey, and JD. Enjoy. What is going on, everybody, and welcome. It's the start of the Goof Duck podcast right here on Spotify. This one is for a Wednesday, Wednesday, April 29th in the year 2020. Today on the program, we're going to do your we are going to do your birthday, your birthday game. We're gonna do some Disney history, some this day in history, National Food Day, and Joey and myself are gonna take you to beer school. What is going on, everybody? My name is Remy. I'm the host of the Goof Duck Podcast, and always with me is the my partner in crime, the Joey Mazant. What's up, family? Let's talk beer and Disney today. What do you guys start? All right, man. So we do. We gotta start from the beginning, man. We got our birthday game. Don't you know that? Birthday game, of course. Let's That's see right. It. Come on. Happy, happy birthday! Happy, happy birthday to Uma Thurman. Mm. Huh? You seen her? You, you've seen her in uh, right. Pulp. I gotta see. Of course, Pulp Fiction. I mean, she's been in a lot. Of stuff. I mean. Let's just, uh, again, let's give her a nice round number. How about, uh, 50? She is 49 years old today. Uh, almost. 49. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday to a legendary comedian. He had his own show, Jerry Seinfeld. Oh my gosh, dude. Jerry freaking Seinfeld. You can, again, there, there's where you get to use the term legend. Uh, Jerry's gotta be, who's, there's Tantum. Um, 52? He is 65 years old today. 65? 65. Good lord! And he looks, he looks amazing too, man. That's amazing. My gosh, good for him. Happy, happy birthday! Happy, happy birthday to a pothead, a stoner, Mr. Willie Nelson. Let's, let's, let's not put those as his credentials. Well, I mean, uh, okay, okay, fine. You know what? You know what? A country, a country singer, country singer Willie country Nelson. Legend. A country music legend Willie Nelson. That being said, it wouldn't surprise me if Willie was like seventy-six. He is eighty-six years old today. Eighty-six. God, man. Eighty-six. The herb keeps him young. The herb keeps him young. Good for him. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday to Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. All right, so 
Batman came out when I was like five or six, 30 years later, 50, 53? 61 years old today. Dude, these Hollywood people got the right doctors backing them because they yep. all look phenomenal. Good for them. All right, how about this one? Happy, happy birthday to rapper. He is an uncle to Lil Romeo, Master P. Oh, dang. Um, Master P's gotta be... Him, again, we'll go around. Let's go 45. 49 years old today. Okay, nice. Uh, oh, where, there it is. Happy happy birthday to Derek Mears. He he used to be uh, he actually used to be the stunt double for uh, Kane Hodder and Jason. Really? Yes, sir. Huh? That's insane. I didn't even know he had stunt double. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, then I mean those movies have been around forever, so let's just say uh, stunt double though. I'll go around again. Round numbers fifty-five. He is, and I quote, he is. 47 years old today. Okay. I went the wrong way with it. And finally... Happy, happy birthday! Happy, happy birthday to Leslie Jordan. I don't... I know that name, but why do I know that name? Uh, he's actually... He's an actor. Yeah, but, but like, do you know what he's in? Anywhere would I have seen him? That, I am. I didn't write down. Uh, I just... Yeah, I got Google Le- up. Leslie Jordan. Sorry, I can check... Oh, what the hell? I can't stand technology. Um, Leslie Jordan. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude, you gotta give me more to work with. Leslie Jordan is. Um, just judging by the picture, I'm gonna say 60. 60? 64 years old today. Oh. <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. All right, Joe, you ready for some beer? You ready, you ready to go to beer school? Beer school, bring it. All right, let's go. So, guys, today I picked out this beer. My dad uh, actually gave me uh, a bottle yesterday. Uh, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to try it later on today. We're going to take you to... We're going to go to Belgian for a little bit. It's a Belgian style. It's a Belgian, a Belgian triple ale. Do you know what that means, triple ale? No, bring it to speak. So... The triple ale. This is actually what people don't under know. What people don't understand is that when you're brewing a beer, a nice classic craft beer, this is actually a process of brewing. That's where a triple comes from. Though, so what is what is a Belgian triple? Triple stems is from is from part of the brewing process. Brewers uses up to three times the amount of malt found in a standard tripest. So that's a different, that's what a, a triple ale is. They're tripling the process all together in Brandon's beer. See, that's funny because I'm looking at it online. I didn't know, I thought triple was spelled T-R-I-P-L-E. It's T-R-I-P-E-L. Triple. Huh. Triple L. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. It's genuinely, uh, generally darker and has more uh, yep. noticeable sweetness. Cool. Very cool, man. And the brand that and the brand that we are talking about is called the brand is called Victory Golden Monkey. Oh, well, dude, I had Golden Monkey. Golden, Mon- Disney. Golden Monkey. Golden Golden Monkey. Yep. Monkey. You can get it at Yak and Yeti at Animal Kingdom. They have it. Oh, they're so good. So we're talking about the Golden Monkey. Is the alcohol volume is nine point five percent. 
So that's it's hoppy. That is very hoppy for a beer. If it's at 9.5 percent. Dude, that's right. That's actually a really good beer. That's very cool. Good choice. Uh, so it's from the the Victory. So it's from the Victory Brewing Company in Downington, Pennsylvania. The availability is year round, and it was okay. it brewed it, it brewed in 1996. The history the history the history of the beer was founded in 1996 by Ron Barshett and Bill Kowalski uh, uh, in an old Pepper Pepperidge Pepperbridge Farm bakery. Victory has grown considerably and evolved well outside the traditional small market of a beer brewing restaurant. So, Interesting, man. And now the flavors for the flavor of this beer, you will taste. Uh, like I said in here, you'll taste some malt, and the the most famous one of all, you will taste the uh, banana cloves. Interesting. So it tastes like as soon as you hit that, as soon as you taste it, it tastes just like bananas right away. I just, I, like I said, I've had it. It's it's a fun session sessionable beer. Um, I don't think I personally could drink more than than maybe two of them because uh, it is that hoppy. It's very filling. But uh, it's a good beer. I mean, it's, it's a good choice, man. Very good choice. All right, so it's time for your Disney history. Are you ready, sir? Right. Lay it on me. What do you got? All right, here we go. Disney history. In 1989, the year I was born, at the 61st Academy Awards, the live-action animated film Who Framed Roger Rabbit wins Oscars for film editing, sound effects, visual effects, and for animation direction. Dude, that movie is so brilliant in the fact that the Disney Corporation had the foresight to buy out uh, Looney Tunes and Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I mean, that, that movie's on Disney Plus. I just watched it three days ago. Uh, it's, I, it's, I had the uh, I had the collector's edition, the 50th anniversary DVD box of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's a three set. It's a three set disc. And uh, what's cool about all oh, Jessica Rabbit? Jessica Rabbit, the armband. Jessica Rabbit limited edition magic band. It's like my favorite Disney movie. Dude, you're not even you're not even gonna you're not even gonna wear it to the park, so <laughs> I'll never take it out of the case. I will never take I have three magic bands that I'll never take out of the case. I have the goofy movie one that has power line on it. Right. I have the Jessica Rabbit one, and I have the Lando Calrissian one. And those will never see the light of day. Nope. Uh, in 19 in 1997 for your Disney history in Florida five-time Grammy Grammy winner Al Jarreau performs two shows at Disney World's Pleasure Islands West End stage no way. In, two, in 2016 for your Disney history Disney confirms that the the Eiffel Tower one of the original and iconic structures the Earful, I'm sorry, the Earful Tower. The Earful Tower. Not the Eiffel Tower. Sorry about that. The Earful Tower, uh, one of the original and iconic structures of Disney's Hollywood Studios, has been removed. The company announced yeah. the company announced last January that the 130-foot foot-tall water tower, it didn't actually hold water. Did you not know? Did you know that? I did not. Nope. Did not hold any water whatsoever. Top with a gigantic, gigantic set of mouse ears will be coming down. The tower's name, which played, which played off of Paris Eiffel Tower, was used as a symbol of Disney's MGM Hollywood Studios since 1988. 
Wow. So that is so guys, that is your Disney history. And now it's time for we're gonna learn some knowledge. It is time for some. It is time for your this day this day in history. Here we go. This day this day in history. In 1961, ABC's Wide World of Sports debuted. Wow. In 1967, Aretha Aretha Franklin's song, Respect, was released. In 1992, voting ends on on choice of Elvis Stamps. Oh my gosh. Dude, I remember that. Yeah? I remember that. I was a kid. They, They had everybody vote. Did you want Fat Elvis or Skinny Elvis? And it was the it was a very big deal. There was like young twenties Elvis, and then old just before he died Elvis. But I remember the old Elvis. The picture was super busted, like it looked too cartoony. Really? Everybody was like, "Why the heck did anybody vote for that one?" That's weird. I didn't. I did not know that Elvis had stamps. What? I did not know that. Oh yeah, that was a big deal, dude. That was one of those first like. Like, people would go, I remember people lined up at the post office waiting to buy a book of these stamps. They were, like, selling out of them. Holy crap. Uh, in 19, in 1996, Howard Stern Radio Show premieres in Fresno, California, California on KFRR 104.1. See, it's weird. It, he was on, he had the same station when he was here on w, w, uh, WTKS. Uh, 104.1 here in Florida. That's amazing to think that he's only been doing this since the 90s. Oh, hey, I picked something. I picked. Right. That's not right. Nah. He'd been in video before that, but he got his own show. Like right. His... So uh, hey, I picked something. I picked something out for you. Uh, for this this day this day in history. You ready for this? What do you got? I'm ready. This day in history in 2018. The animated series The Simpsons surpasses Gunsmoke, Gunsmoke's 635 episode count to have highest to have the highest episode count of any series on TV. That's absurd. That is in freaking insane when you think about it. 635 episodes. And they're still and, it's, and they're still doing they're still making these episodes. They're still making these Simpsons episodes till this day. Well, this is the last season. This is the 30th season. Yep. Rest, rest in peace, The Simpsons. Rest in peace. Yep. Uh, and your food, and your food of the day. Today what for food, today for food of the day, it's National Shrimp Scampi Day. Huh. Shrimp Scampi. What what is your uh, what is your take on shrimp scampi? Uh. Well, it's it's oily. It's garlicky. I love the uh, I love that that garlic oil sauce that they make over in all at Olive Garden, but uh, there's I went to but when I went to is uh, Joe's Crab Shack. Really? I miss it. Is Joe's Crab Shack still around? Yeah, there's Joe's Crab Shack. Joe's Crab Shack is still open over on a uh, uh, one ninety two. Really? Okay, so there's not one on five thirty five though by Disney Springs anymore. No, 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 no. No, it's the one I the one I know is on one ninety one ninety two. If you go past uh, uh, where Fun Spot is, if you take that take that first right, head towards uh, uh, Celebration, right around that side. All right, I know. 
Um, okay, yeah, there's someone in Daytona, too. I'm looking at it right now where they're at. Yeah, Joe's Crab Shack and... Oh, well, they all stay closed now. That's funny. <laughs> because... The, the of, pandemic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So did you hear... Three of them. So, right. did you hear uh, that uh, AMC theaters are not going to be showing any more of Universal Universal uh, stu- Universal uh, films? Yeah, but how are they going to do that? I mean, there's a, isn't there an AMC? Oh no, there's not an AMC Universal anymore, is there? It's Cinemark. Cinemark, that's right. I'll be damned. Is it is it all because of the Trolls movie? Yep. All no because kidding. Of, all because of the Trolls movie. So I read that I read that this morning. And I'm like, you know what? This is something I need to talk to Joey about because Universal is a high, is one of the highest grossing uh, studios out there with all these all these movies they're they're pr- producing. Universal, I mean that's it. Those are, that, that, you can't touch Disney and Universal are at the top of their. That's it. Yep. That's the that's the. So what's next? I mean, I mean, I mean, are they going to start filming what? Start showing what? Paramount movies. Uh, the, the, well, yeah, Paramount, Warner Brothers, but they can't. They're not. They will not be showing any Universal movies. Because what's going to happen when the when the new Fast and the Furious movie comes out? Oh, I'm sorry, we can't show it at this theater. Why not? Oh, we signed we signed a contract saying blah 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 blah. Don't show any more Universal movies. Dude, I think I think right now, and I'll just be honest with you, I think emotions are running hot right now. Everybody is locked in their house. They're locked in their domicile, and their feet they're foaming at the mouth. Everybody yep. is desperate to just get out. Everybody's angry. Somewhere, somebody said they threw their hands in the air and said, "I'm mad about things. This is BS. Uh, screw you, Universal Studios. Give it like, give it three months, six months, a year, where the CEO of Universal and the CEO of AMC come together mm-hmm. and they go, "I'm sorry." He goes, "I'm sorry too." And they say, okay, I guess we're going to start playing your movies again. Okay, thanks. Like, it just, give it a minute. So, give it a minute. So, because movie theaters are already hurting, dude. Movie yeah. theaters are hurting. I can't tell you the last time I went and actually saw a movie. So, did you hear that uh, uh, they're now saying uh, they're going to try their very hardest to reopen the parks by July? I heard June. I heard July. So Interesting. So, okay. so they said because the first phase they want to try they're they are going to try out the first phase in June. Then okay. they're, they're going to keep going until July, and see how well that works out. So they said. Yeah, they said so they said June that it's going to be fifty. Yeah. What was it? Fifty percent of the capacity. Yep. And the uh, the priorities go: people staying at Disney hotels get first crack, followed by annual pass holders, followed by uh, third party tourists. Wow. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So basically, what that means is what I'm thinking that means is that it's going to be uh, more than likely all four of the parks are going to have an early uh, uh, extra magic hour, if yeah. I had to guess. More than likely, all four parks are going to either open at 8 o'clock for hotel guests, or it may just open at 9 o'clock for hotel guests because they know they're not going to have that many people, and maybe the parks won't open until 10 o'clock for everybody else. Do you think... Do you think uh, the queue lines are going to be completely different once the uh, park reopens, like with oh, yeah. six, six I've feet apart? I've already seen the pictures from Tokyo Disney. They actually have little, they look like circular hidden Mickey stickers on the ground, and they're placed six feet apart. And wow. it was like, and they all say like, please do not move forward until this, the, the, the dot in front of you is available. Wow. 
unreal. I, I can't, I can't imagine. But what about the rides? Have you, have you thought about that? <laughs> I mean, what can they do? Just make it so that it's nobody can sit next to anybody or every other. I mean, it's almost comical at this point, man. It's a joke. Yeah. It literally feels like we're writing a parody of a post-apocalyptic film. It is, it's, it's stupid. So the only good thing that came of this is Kevin Smith wrote a sequel to Mallrats while he was being quarantined. I know. I, I, I when, when I saw that article, I was like, "Yes, we're getting another Mallrats." All that matters is that the theme parks open up, the tattoo parlors open up, and the restaurants open up. I want a burger. I want a tattoo, and I want to see Mickey. That's it. And I want I a beer. I want a beer. Damn it! When we go back to the Crooked Can Brewing yeah. Company in Winter Garden, Florida. There's something to be said about sitting at your favorite brewery. Hanging out with people, talking yep. about whatever. And you're right, man. It'll be good to get back to Crooked Cannon and say hi to Carl and the guys. We need to get we need to go back there, man. I mean, once this pandemic is over, uh, you know, it's gonna be one hell of a. Uh, we 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 need to go back to the Crooked Cannon, man. So anyway, guys, uh, stick around. You are listening to the Goof Duck Podcast right here on Spotify. Uh, we're gonna bring on our very special guest, Miss Carol Stein. She was the original piano player for the Comedy Warehouse at Pleasure Island. Uh, we're gonna have a little chat with her, catch up with her, see how how well she's uh, handling the uh, the pandemic. Once again, you're listening to the Goof Duck Podcast right here on Spotify. Welcome back, guys, to the Goof Duck Podcast right here on Spotify. Uh, Joey, man, you're in for a real treat. I mean, we we're bringing on a we're bringing on a legend. Uh, she used she was the original piano player for the Comedy Warehouse back at Pleasure Island. No kidding. Yeah, Pleasure Island, Dude, man. That's I went there when I was, uh, I think I was like 15, I was 15 years old. My dad took me there. No, 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 I wasn't 15. I was, I was nine years old. I was nine years old. My dad had, my dad was playing at the jazz club. He's like, hey, Remy, do you want to go walk around for a little bit and, uh, you know, want to go somewhere? I'm like, well, I'm not old enough. So what do you, what do you have in mind? He goes, here, you know what? I know this great piano player. She, she plays over at the comedy warehouse. You want some? Com- you want to go see some comedy? Go see some comedy. You'll you'll enjoy it. So, guys, welcome to the program, Miss Carol Stein. Carol, how you doing? I'm doing great this beautiful morning. Thanks Robbie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I joined in, it opened in 1989, 
and I started subbing in 1990, and then, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. How long, so Downtown Disney opened up that long ago? It was called Pleasure Island. It opened up in 1989. Okay, because I'm still thinking of, I can remember back when I was a kid when it was the Disney Village Marketplace. And yeah. I remember that was it. They had a fabulous jazz club there called the Village Lounge. Oh. Mm-hmm. I was in Florida at the time, and they had the most amazing famous jazz artist. And it was the Bubba Cobb Trio. It was Bubba Cobb on piano, and it was Louise on, on bass, and I think Harvey Lang on drums. And then they would bring people like uh, just really famous jazz artists that would come and perform there in a very intimate, kind of like a living room setting. It was gorgeous. Oh, wow. So a company like Disney that is so good about keeping their nostalgia and their classic rides Things like it's a small world that's been around since the 50s in Disneyland and 71 here. It's, I'm surprised that they were so eager to, to get rid of, of that atmosphere. It seems so fun and safe. Well, things change, and Disney tries to always continue to change with the times. Mm-hmm. And, um, like even the jazz club that your dad played at. Yeah. And we love the jazz club. Unfortunately, um, everybody is not a connoisseur of jazz. And we turned into a multi-million dollar gold pot called Raglan Road. And Disney is very wise. Um, You know, they try to keep the tradition and the love of Disney when Mom started. And the Imagineers try to really maintain and hold this, what makes Disney Disney. However, times change, like Mr. Frog's, uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and, and certain things have changed and morphed into something else and some of the people that remember from nostalgic from when they were young certain things that aren't there are sad sometimes and very vocal about it today with the multimedia platforms that exist but he tries to stay current you know um we can't have 80s music going on all the time in 2020 you know so problem to disney for maintaining the the concept of Disney, but changing with the times as needs be. That's very true. Yeah. It's, it's funny, it's, it's whenever you, you tie nostalgia to these things that are like, like when someone says my favorite princess is Snow White, and then you realize that she's been around since the 1930s. It's like, what? Wait a minute, Snow White's almost 100 years old? That can't be right. It's like, it is, man. It's like, you can see how the princesses have morphed yeah. from Snow White and Cinderella, who are looking for their Prince Charming. Even the show, the Broadway show, Cinderella, mm-hmm. they took Cinderella and Prince Charming, who was just this handsome man looking for a beautiful princess, they turned them into, have you ever seen the Broadway musical version of Cinderella? I have not. They're very social conscientious of how the people are living outside of the castle, and they made them much more um, activists in making equality and giving everybody instead of just the royals and the peasants. Very, very interesting twist that went into this Disney uh, or to the Cinderella Broadway uh, concept. And then look at Mulan, strong princess. Mm-hmm. Doesn't need a man to rescue her. And look at Moana. And look at um, Merida. You know. So Disney, once again, they've kept that tradition and they have their princesses 
and yet they've morphed and turned into these strong women where it'd be great to have a partner in life, but I'm strong and I can take care of myself, but life can be shared. So, you know. Interesting. That's right. So, so I have a few questions. Yeah. So I have a few. I have a few questions, Miss Carol. Uh, when did you first started playing piano? What made you? What made you decide that piano is your going to be your main instrument? Well, I was born into a family of music. My mother was a musician. She studied at the New England Conservatory of Music on trumpet. And back then, in the thirties. Women didn't play trumpet very often, but all her sisters and brothers—they played saxophone, violin, trumpet, piano. They were dancers. Her sisters traveled with Sammy Davis Jr. back in the '30s. I'll send you some very fascinating pictures of them back、oh. in the '30s. Please, the Rat Pack is my favorite band. Thank you. Oh my gosh. And so I was born into this, and so my grandfather gave a piano to each of his five children as a wedding present. And so there was just a spinet, just a little spinet. So there was a spinet in the house, and I always heard music, of course, because my mother loved the music. And one day, I, at age two, I was just sitting, singing nursery rhymes and picking out the notes. And my mother went,、hmm. and she came in, and she ended up teaching me to read music before I read English. And at age four, she looked at me and she said, "Would you like to take lessons?" And I said, "Well, sure." So.、Um, She took me to a piano teacher who said, "No, she's too young. We wait till they're six till they can read." And she said, "Well, she can already read, and she can read English, and she can read music." So the teacher gave me a little book with a little lesson, and the first piece in the book, she said, "Practice this. Come back next week, and then we'll see if we can continue." And being the precocious child that I was, I memorized the whole book, came back, and said, "Sure." And so she took me on as a student at age four, and we would practice theory half the lesson and play half the lesson. And that's when I started, and I just—I don't remember not playing the piano. It's just such a passion in my life. I just love it so much. That's awesome. That's so awesome. So then you started playing at Disney in 1990. Yes, I um I grew up here in Orlando. Okay. And when I was in high school, Disneyland or Disney World, Walt Disney World opened. And they selected a few students from high schools from around the world, and several students from Lyman High School. I went to Lyman.、Um, got to on opening day, so some of our band was represented. So Walt Disney World has been here, and a lot of my friends worked at Disney when they were when we were all in high school.、Um, I was working as a pianist at a performing arts studio since eighth grade, so that's what I did. And then、uh, I went to University of Florida, and then I moved to Europe. I moved to Switzerland. I had a job offer in Switzerland, and I stayed in Europe for many years. I first went over as a dental hygienist. <laughs> no way. So you're wow. Piano player, dentist, and piano player. Yeah. Well, I, well, I, I always wanted to do music. I went to Europe first, age 16. I was a bassoonist. When I was in junior high, and I went into the band, you can't march with a piano. They said, "What would you like to play?" And I said, "I don't know." So I played saxophone in the marching band, the bassoon in the concert band. And the bassoon is very unique. You could read treble clef and bass clef already as a pianist. That's why. So I ended up. I was selected to go to Europe with what was called America's Youth at Concert, and we gave a concert in Carnegie Hall. <clears throat> we gave a concert at the Kennedy Center, and I was like 16, and I was like, "Wow!" And then we went to Europe. And I said, I'm gonna live here someday. I just, I was fascinated. <laughs> I was so overwhelming for a 16-year-old 
will be touring Europe with an orchestra. So I didn't want to be a starving musician. I, I had heard stories, I had seen people that were struggling, and I loved my music. And that's why I went into dental hygiene, so I could support myself and still perform. Um, part of it was also, I always studied classical, and my, I loved jazz. When I was in seventh grade, we went to a solo and ensemble contest. You know what that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you play instruments, when you play sax or flute or bassoon or whatever, once a year, you do solo and ensemble. You, you learn a solo and then you're judged. And then if you get a superior, you, you go to state level. So you have local and state. Okay. And then you have, you have like a, the orchestra or the jazz band and, and they have a quartet. So those are the ensembles. So I was always the pianist accompanying everybody on their solos. So since I was in junior high, my brother played trumpet and I got to accompany everybody. And so I'd go to all these uh, solo and ensemble contests and I'd accompany maybe 30 kids and I'd learn these little concertos and these little sonatas accompaniment. And one day we were walking by and I heard this sound. And I said to my mom, what's that? And it was the jazz band doing their ensemble and going, but this is the best. And she looked at me and that's when I fell in love with Frank Sinatra and jazz and, and that kind of music. And I just went, oh my goodness. So I started listening and listening. And my classical teachers didn't teach that back then. They, did, they just didn't teach that. So I just learned by listening and doing it. And so I would take Beethoven and turn it into a jazz I would take Mozart and turn it into a samba. And Catherine Carlo from Rollins was when she looked at me, she goes, No, no, you can't be. She just did not want anything to do with that strictly classical. <laughs> and I felt very stifled. And I didn't want to be a classical performer. That wasn't where my heart was. And, and I knew there would be so many people so much better than I competing in this big world. And I said, No. I just want to love my music. I just want to play it when I want to. So I was going to go to dental school. My brother was a dentist. My brother was a dentist, and I love sciences. He says, no, no, no. He says, you can't do that. You need to play music. And uh, I said, no, I want to go to med school. But my brother said, no, don't do that, because you'll be working all the time. You won't have weekends off. He said, at least as a dentist, you have weekends off. So to afford to go to dental school, I got a dental hygiene degree, and then I got my master's in dental science. And then I was planning on going to dental school, but there were there was a dental hygiene program in Switzerland where they brought an American dental hygienist over to Switzerland because they never had any there. One of my roommates from dental hygiene was living in Zurich. So before I finally got my master's, I said, you know, I've been going to school all my life. I saved my money, and I did like a lot of university kids did when they graduated. You took the Eurail, and you went through Europe on as little money as possible a day. And you slept on the trains, and you, you know, wore jeans two weeks in a row, and you did what you did. And when I was there, I had a job offer from another dentist. And I said, oh, no, I want to go back to school. And I had a boyfriend that helped me So I wanted to come home for my boyfriend. So I came home. He decided to go to New England Conservatory of Music up in Massachusetts. And the dentist called me again. And he said, please come as a dental hygienist. I said, okay. So for one year, he had a signing year contract. Okay. So he quickly went to the University of Florida German department and said, teach me how to say open and close, please. Does that hurt? 
Sounds like, sounds like a normal jazz club to me. <laughs> very, very tiny, you know, small, intimate. So my dental hygienist friend said to the piano player, would you play piano and sing? So I'd sit in. I would just sit in and sing. So I did that for several years. I was happy. And then uh, the Swiss government saw me playing there one night. I wasn't playing for money. I was just playing. And they said, oh, no, you're a foreigner. You can't have two jobs. You can't do that. I'm not. And there was a music music agent there, and he said, "I'll book you for two years straight if you leave the dental office. Two years straight, all over Europe." Oh. And I thought, "What in my 20s? What have I got to lose?" Of course. So I did, and that turned into about 15 more years of travel around the world. And I got booked in Germany, and then Norway, and Japan, and then I went to Hong Kong for three years. And so I just went back and forth from Asia to Europe, and I'd come home about once every two years to America. That's Disney got me, asked me to come work for them. They saw me performing at Rosie O'Grady. Oh. No kidding. And so, so I I met with them and I said, well, I'm still traveling. They said, well, whenever you come home, come play. So uh, in 1990, I started officially my very first day at the Grand Floridian as the lobby pianist. Oh. I love the Grand Floridian with all my heart. Like, oh my gosh! What a cool gig! Yeah. So I, I was just having, and then they started. I would do the hoochie doo, and then I would do other things, and then I didn't want to compose. So the first seven years, I was what's called a CT, casual temporary. I would just sub. Okay. And Brian asked me if I would do the comedy warehouse, and that was really difficult time. So that's how I started in '97. Oh, hey guys, we're guys, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. You're listening to the Goof Duck podcast right here on Spotify.
That's right, guys. Welcome back to the Goof Duck Podcast right here on Spotify. Uh, this has been one hell of a podcast so far. Joey, we have a legend with us. She's been traveling all around the world. Dude, she has seen more countries in, I can't even say in her lifetime. She's seen more countries in a month than I've seen in my lifetime. In so, 37 years, I haven't been to a tenth of the places she's been. It's amazing. So let's, so, go, so, so let's go back to your buddies. Your buddies were picking on you because they were making fun of you. Uh, Canada, like, why? Oh, yeah. So... The only, the only world cultures I know, because I love Disney so much, is Epcot. When I go to Epcot, I usually have friends that work in all the different countries, and then when I take families to the parks, they meet these people, great conversation. But my friends from Canada laugh because um, I was like, yeah, I love Canada, actually. There's a, there's a part of Canada that I, I used to go to, you know, I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, and um, Niagara Falls is only a four and a half hour drive, or three hours and 40 minutes away my dad used to drive. And we could go up there, and you could go to the casino at age 19 and hang out. And I was like, I love Niagara Falls. And they, they, they're not even, they don't even laugh or tease you about it. They give you the mean look. And I'm like, what's wrong? They go, Niagara Falls is in Canada. I'm like, what do you mean? Of course it is. I had to get a passport just to go, no, Niagara Falls is in Canada. That's like saying Disney World is Orlando. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. So, it's true. It's like saying Paris is France. Yes. Yes. Guys, known as flyover states. You know what I mean? It, it, that's America. We'll never go there, but it's America. <laughs> oh, what do you got, Remy? Guys, that guys, that voice you're hearing is our special guest, Miss Carol Stein. She has been. She has worked for Disney. She's she worked for the. Uh, the comedy warehouse. We're gonna to talk to you about that for a little bit. Now, have you played with that part of the comedy warehouse? It's like to me, it's like the uh, the sister comedy club for the SAC comedy club uh, in downtown in downtown Orlando. Now, are those those players? Are they? Do they come from? You know. Uh, no, when they started comedy warehouse, um, they brought a lot of people from New York and from Minnesota. Minneapolis is this hotbed of brilliant improv artists. Um, they, when they first started Comedy Warehouse, they brought trained improv uh, actors down. I mean, and let me tell you, this last week we just had a huge, um, I set up a Zoom for uh, over about 50 of us were there. It's very difficult to, ex to ex uh, explain to people the family that Disney um, has. Uh, most of us started in 1989 or 1990 at Pleasure Island days because that's when it opened. We are still friends to this day. It is a true family. Now, I worked there 18 years. I was part of that family at Pleasure Island before it closed uh, in 2008 when I went over to Epcot. And we all grew up there. We all grew up there together with uh, entertainment-wise, creativity-wise, as people. And got married, had babies, got divorced, got remarried. I mean, everything there together. And we've always been there for each other. It's, it's an amazing family. But let me tell you how talented these people. A lot of them are now. Uh, Paul, he's done Broadway. He's been in Chicago. He's, he was the lead in Hairspray. It's like the Harvey Firestein Road uh, role. Oh, wow. Uh, Kelly, Kelly, a lot of them went out to L.A. and they're doing TV shows and movies. A lot of them write scripts. They're writers. 
Um, a lot of them stayed here. A lot of them are still here with Disney, doing other things, but still with Disney as actors. Or like Greg Triggs moved up to New York. He's now a, a production. Um, he produces shows all over the world. And even for Disney ships, they hire him to come in and directs shows and tweaks shows. So they're just multifaceted and multi-talented. I, I was fortunate to be one of the keyboard players. Um, I worked there five nights a week for many years, and it it educated me into a, a whole new aspect of entertainment, which I use daily when I do what I do now at the Rose and Crown at Epcot, as the pianist in the pub at the Rose and Crown at Epcot. That's where I've seen you before. Now, now I'm like, I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to, you know, you never want to, you never want to ask a girl like, hey, you don't know you from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've seen you before, and it's gonna crush me. Thank you for that. I will always say, thank you. That's where I've seen you before. I have. So I talked to you once before. This is a long shot. I actually have on my arms it says "Live and Let Die." And that was one of my favorite Paul McCartney and Wings songs, and that was one that I, I played that in my shows. And we we talked about it, and then I have "Let It Be" on my ribcage. Oh my goodness! Yay! We talked about this, and we talked about this before. I'm just wondering. I'm like, I don't know. She's gonna. That's awesome. Oh man. <laughs> I'm so, and dude, this, that's this where. And dude, that is where I had the. the uh, and that is where that is where I had the one of the most famous steaks of all. I had the, the best steak at the Rose and Crown. It was so good. And all, the, all you need to know about the Rose and Crown is sticky toffee pudding. That's yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if you ever want to impress a friend or a family member, sticky toffee pudding. They have the restaurant, the Rose and Crown, and they have the pub. So in 2008, when Pleasure Island closed, um, two days later, I started as the hat lady as in the rose, and I had all these crazy wild hats that Disney created this hat lady concept. And um, it was very challenging for me at first because I was so sad missing all my friends that I performed with every night at Pleasure Island mm -hmm. and other things going on personally, and I just thought, and the hat lady, I went. What I did was I had to take vacation time because I hadn't taken any that year. They said you gotta go take some vacation time. So I went to London and I did some research on pubs, the British pubs. Whoa! And my mom was with me, so we went to pub to pub to pub to pub, and I said, okay, I got this. And I came back and I developed this charismatic character of the Hat Lady, which was sort of like Carol Stein on steroids, basically. <laughs> <laughs> director at the time was show uh, Forrest Baruch. He created the concept of the Hat Lady and I loved the costume. Loved it and had such a great time. And they kept me as the Hat Lady for about five years. Okay. Uh, and then they changed the costume to like this red, white, and blue sparkly British flag. I had that for about five years. And then it wasn't cool apparently to wear a flag. So then they changed my costume to what it is now. I noticed just the pub musician, Carol Stern. Now, when, when, when are your sets? When can we come by and see you after things get normal again? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, usually, what I have been doing the past many years is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, five days a week, and it's, uh, let's see now, 1.15, 2.15, 3.15, 4.15. So I'm smack dab, come in for lunch, come in for a pint, even walking around and cut all day, visiting all the other bands and seeing all the families, and you come in for a pint, maybe have some lunch, have a couple of drinks, 
Kulak, and I'm there for four sets. Perfect. That's great. I shall to this day have a rose and crown menu signed by the British Invasion. Yay! <laughs> I got to be friends with the guy who played John Lennon. I know those guys have moved on. They now have a steady gig somewhere in South Florida. I, I talk to them occasionally. But um, I'll never forget that we became friends on Facebook. And um, we, we still joke about it. He's like, do you still have my menu? And I, I, it's sitting, I have a really cool collection of menus from Disney. Because if you ask, they're very cool about that. Like, I used to go to these nice restaurants as a, as a yeah, like early 20s. And I'd be like, I collect menus. I know that's weird to say. Can I have one of these menus? I'll purchase it. And they said, no, we have a bunch of extra. And they I have a great collection of these menus. And so that was one that was really cool. And they said, like, it is just a piece of paper. It was a piece of laminated cardboard, basically. So I had oh, wow. Menu. So, so let's uh, we'll we'll come back. We'll talk about this as much as we can. But let's t- let's talk about uh, right now. What we've been doing for the pandemic. Now, I've read article. I've read an article about you uh, on for the Orlando Sentinel about you doing this pandemic uh, piano shows at night. It's you and your husband, and you're coming. You're running. You're doing these amazing tunes for these people on on Facebook, listening to your music, listening to your voice. What made you decide to do that? Well, the last day we were able to perform and to work as cast members was March 15th. That was a Sunday. And uh, well, Saturday was my last day of work, and Sunday started the next week. And I was just devastated. And, 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 uh, and I thought, March 17th is St. Patrick's Day. That's two days away. So I played on Sunday at Epcot. And then the guests, the guests love being at the Rose and Crown all the time. But on St. Patrick's Day, whoa, my book. Because it's a, it's a UK pub. They um, England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland. So it's, it's all-encompassing. Rose and Crown got the name Rose and Crown because it's the most popular words used for names of pubs over in the UK. So Disney's very clever in their research. But, so I do a lot of Irish songs as well as British songs. So I said, I'm so sad, my guests are so sad, I'm missing them already. I'm just gonna do a little, a little set, do some, you know, so my husband and I, my husband's really fun, he owns an ice company. And he's a businessman, he owns, his name is Lee, it's called Lee's Ice, but on the side, he's a ventriloquist. Oh. <laughs> I have little Lee with me right here. <laughs> Hi, Lee. So he's a ventriloquist on the side. So um, I decided I'm just going to perform. I think I got a hat on and he got all dressed up too. We wore little green bows. And, and, uh, and I just did a whole big Irish set and I turned into like two hours. I just started playing it. And all of a sudden, by the end of this thing, there were like 9,000 people watching this St. Patrick's Day set. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Facebook is crazy. And uh, so the next morning, everybody kept saying, what you, what's your next concert? What's your next concert? And I'm like, I don't know. I was just doing that for St. Patrick's Day. 
So I decided, okay, so the next week I decided everybody was really sad. Everybody, this was the end for, this is like the first, the second week of everybody just being in their house, not allowed out, have all their kids at home, schools were closed, some people were not able to work at all, and, and uh, everyone was sad. I said, okay, I'm going to do a happy show. Because I've done a cabaret and happiness and a musical happiness cabaret before, and I said, I'm going to take that, and, and I wrote a song, so for every one I've done, I keep writing songs. So every song had to do like, accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, or, um, or like we're smiling, or, you know, some of them were goofy, and some of them were just really fun, positive message, like from the show Oliver. Who will buy this wonderful morning? Just to make you forget anything negative. And again, all of these people started watching, and I thought, well, okay, I mean, I'm happy, and it's weird, you're sitting there, you're playing, you're getting, all of a sudden I kept getting all these requests. So I'm playing requests and you finish and all of a sudden you know, there's silence because there's nobody in the room. And people are doing the little applause things on Facebook and I said, oh. And a lot of people wrote me and said, you really touched our lives. We have been depressed. We are so sad. And your music was the highlight of our life in the past couple of weeks. I'm going, oh my goodness gracious. So it's a bunch of next one. So it kind of turned into a a once a week thing now on Wednesday nights I've been doing this um, one time it was a Tuesday oh I know I wrote a song called Scrub 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 I want to write a little ditty because we all have to wash our hands so I said I'm just going to go on and do one song so I got on and I played my song and all of a sudden somebody said we'll play this we'll play this so it turned into another two hour little concert and it just blossomed so every week I try to have a theme but then people just send in requests so it just kind of blows up like tomorrow tonight I had it all set up. I was going to do it on love. What's more positive than love? And I had a few hours worth of music set up. And then I got hundreds of requests. So I'm not doing anything that I thought I was going to do. But I'm doing requests. And if that makes people happy, people say, and I call it wine time. It's called my parlor soiree. Oh. I always say, okay, it's wine time. And we all have a drink of whatever it is you want to drink. So... So for tonight, I'm going to open it. I wrote, I composed a piece that's more on um, sort of feeling, how some of us are feeling. At the beginning, it's like, ah, oh. and by the end, it's, of course, it's positive. Oh my God. Thank you. I can't wait. I'm about to tune in. What time does that show start? Eight o'clock today. Wednesday. Eight o'clock. All right. Um, so guys, we are, unfortunately, I'm looking now, we're, that's what we can work with. Uh, we are up against the break. Uh, we're up against the clock, so what we're going to do is, first off, is there any way we can get you to come back and do this again with us sometime in the future? Sure. For real? You guys are delight. You guys are an absolute delight. Thank you. I you know, I don't want to take a dad shock being a fabulous world-class musician who I get more in love. And that's hard. I'd be honored. And now I get I got, I got a, I have a request. If you, if, if you'd be able to do this for us, would you play uh, "When You Wish Upon a Star" for us before we take off?
Yay! Oh my gosh. Your shoulder is really Yeah. <laughs> I would do something like See, that's what I like, man. Uh, but guys, uh, but anyways, from all of us, from all of us here at the uh, Goof Duck Podcast, uh, on my on on by myself, uh, my name is Remy, and always with me is my partner in crime, the Dreamer Zant. Good lord, dude! I don't know where you meet these talented people at because. Good lord, this is mind-blowing. What a great day. <laughs> yeah, guys, you, guys, you've been listening to the Goof Duck Podcast right here on Spotify. Uh, we have to thank our special guest, the Carol Stein, or we have to call her the Hat Lady. <laughs> uh, for, my, for myself, my name is Remy, and always with me is the Joy Mazant. That's it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. Tune in tonight. At 8 o'clock, you guys can hear Carol on Facebook, and she'll be taking your requests. So uh, enjoy, and uh, we'll, we'll see you guys soon. Take care.